This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to bring you a big Friday edition of some top shelf radio in a bottom feeding political world. Man, it is a mess in Washington, D.C., but we're going to get out of radio mop today with former Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz, comedy legend Bob Zaney, and your fine self. Welcome at 888-788-9910. That is the rule on this show every day is you can call that number if you want to be a part of the program. You can also call if you don't want to be a part of the program. Just rip us up. You know, we like the tough love. Uh, But either way, you slice it. We don't really care. We're talk show hosts. We're not activists over here. We're just trying to, I don't know, throw a couple of solutions at the country's problems, have a couple of laughs. So whatever you do, whatever you think, however you lean, all we ask, man, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a. That is all. If my uh, cadence sounds a little measured today, I'm trying to contain my excitement. Because it's our producer's birthday. Mike Advensky has turned 26, Mikey. Happy birthday to Mikey. Can we confirm, Mikey, as the crowd goes wild? Can we confirm that you are 26? Yeah, that's correct. 26. So you have aged one year for every dance you got at the dollhouse in Tampa Bay. Is that, <laughs> is that, you've got around the sun one year uh, for every time Cinnabons dance to a song by the weekend. Is that a, You can confirm that? That sounds about accurate. <laughs> Gosh, I hope Ed and Amanda aren't listening right now. This would be awkward. Uh, but Mike's parents, two wonderful people uh, who raised a halfway decent son. I can't speak for the other siblings. I'm assuming they're, half, they're great. Uh, but Mike's parents were in the building yesterday as well. They took the full Fox News tour. We went into the Gutfeld uh, studio, showed them Greg's little booster seat where they put the phone book that he sits on so he can look 5-1 on TV. Uh, we took him to the set of America's Newsroom, where I appeared a short while ago. If you happen to miss that clip, it is on the Fox Across America Facebook page. Uh, but I'm not here to self-promote. I'm just here to wish Mikey the best birthday allowable by law. I will not be celebrating with Mikey tonight uh, because I am headed down to Houston. Uh, Radio's first family, Jimmy Fela, Jenny Fela, uh, Lincoln Fela, uh, are going to be down in Houston watching Garth Brooks this weekend because Jenny wanted to see Garth Brooks. Uh, Jimmy was drunk on a patio, and he found tickets on his phone, bought them, had a couple of cheap airline credits, and away we go. So if you're in Bucky's tonight around midnight, you're going to see me, Lincoln, and Jenny raising holy hell because we can't wait to get to the Bucky's in Katy, Texas, just outside of Houston. And you didn't hear this from me, but if you're down in Wharton, Texas tomorrow, you might see me at Damon's Real Barbecue. Because one of our amazing listeners, Brandon Cruz, uh, happens to be in charge of things down there and said he should uh, feed me Jenny and Lincoln lunch before we go to the concert. This could be a problem. I don't think this dude knows what he's getting into, uh, but you damn well might see us there. Uh, So that's the itinerary for me. Uh, But again, I am not the focus of conversation. The focus right now this week in the media 
is that Joe Biden just had the best week of his presidency while away from the job in actual COVID isolation. Biden is such a disaster. A lot of people are drawing that conclusion. This week is being depicted as a win for Biden. Why? It's actually interesting. It's like we're grading on a curve here. They're like, well, he's passing his inflation bill, his Inflation Reduction Act. That's a win. Okay, if you say so, does the Inflation Reduction Act reduce inflation? The answer would be no. The other reason they're saying is because, well, Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan and showed support in the face of Chinese aggression. But did Biden want Nancy Pelosi to go to Taiwan? The answer would be no. No, the Pentagon actually said they were against it. The military had advised against it. And what did John Kirby, the White House spokesperson, get out there and say? He said, well, at the end of the day, Nancy Pelosi makes her own decisions, which, again, if she makes her own decisions, does that mean Biden's really in charge? The answer would be no. That's what I'm trying to say here. They're calling it his best week ever. Uh, But it assumed, you know, essentially functions as addition by subtraction because no Biden made for a smoother week. Okay, this guy wasn't out there reading the stage direction on the teleprompter. He didn't get to quit talking in the middle of a sentence. He had his moments. We'll get to him. But he was, for all intents and purposes, off the grid, isolated with his second case of covid, which, of course, comes less than a week after he got oil cancer from his mom's windshield wipers. What the hell did you just say? It's not what I said. If you remember, that's what Biden had said during his uh, appearance up in, uh, I believe it was Rhode Island. Hey, you know, this oil's uh, bad news. We got to switch to fossil fuels because myself and a lot of kids I grew up with got cancer from the oil slicks <laughs> that our mom's windshield wipers were projecting into the car. He said that. And then the next day, the White House was like, yeah, he's got COVID. Uh, You're not going to see him in public for a while. Biden's a mess. Okay, we know that. Uh, But it's very interesting because there's two things in motion that I see playing out right now. And I'm going to make a pretty a pretty solid prediction. Understand, I grew up as a big gambler. You know, I grew up in a big horse racing house on my mom's side, my grandma, my grandpa, always going to the Roosevelt Raceway. And of course, that gave way to cards and ultimately gave way to football sports betting, which is what I did for most of my 20s. You know, when people ask me, how do you wind up driving a taxi for most of your 30s? Uh, It's, you know, you owe a bookie, you know, 50 grand you don't have in most of your 20s and you knock up your wife without health insurance. The next thing you know, you're on the Van Wick Expressway with a car full of passengers. Uh, But the point is, as a gambler, you're always good at reading markets and, you know, you're very instinctive. And I can tell you the time I spent driving a taxi gave me a really good horse sense in terms of human nature and what I see coming down the pipe. And, you know, by and large, it served me pretty well because here I am sitting here hosting the fastest growing radio show in the country, uh, appearing regularly on the biggest TV network in the world. And I don't show up with any credentials whatsoever. So you got to give me credit, man. Few people have done more with less when it comes to achievement. OK, I came into this game with nothing. Okay, everybody in this building has like eight degrees, military credentials. They served in office. I beat Mike Tyson in a Nintendo boxing game in 1987. That was actually on my resume, along with the fact that I am a six-time Super Bowl champion, if you count PlayStation. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. But I'm honest, okay? When it comes to this Biden situation, they're getting ready to health him out. What I mean by that is I I actually don't think he's going to serve a full term. I think these repeated COVID diagnoses, I think the fact that he has been failing in other ways, if we're talking about his motor skills, I think they're ultimately knowing how historically unpopular he has become. I think they're ultimately going to use his health to just get him out of here. 
And, you know, on one end, you're like, great, because he's such a bad president. But on the other end, you'd have President Kamala Harris. No, God, no, God, please, no, no, no. Now, the whole country feels that way. Kamala is as unpopular as anything we've ever seen in this country. Like monkeypox is all over the news right now. Kamala is polling three points behind monkeypox. I should be lucky to have the popularity of monkeypox. I mean, think about it. You got to go out to get monkeypox. No one's leaving the house to get Kamala. You know, you got, you got to go out and do something to get monkeypox. No one is going out and doing anything to get a case of Kamala. Oh, good gosh. You don't want to deal with that. But the point is the Democrats knowing how wildly unpopular they both are, realize that if Biden just sits around for another two and a half years running the country into the ground, it can only hurt them in 2024 where there's no world where he's running. Okay, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I wish the guy the best of health and the best of luck. I don't have any ill will against Joe Biden as a human. I just don't like his leadership. I think he's in well, you know, uh, you know, beyond his means. I think it was wrong of his wife to make him run, but she was hell-bent on being first lady, and she wanted the magazine covers and the glamour and the glitz. Hell, she, the media was so far up her butt, she almost got appointed Surgeon General by the idiots at The View who don't realize she's not a doctor. Dr. Jill becomes a Surgeon General. His wife. Yeah. Because Joe Biden's wife, because she, you know, she he would do. never do it. But she, she, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. <laughs> I, I just like her. PhD. Yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe I thought she was yeah, a teacher. I think she, I she's, she's oh. a teacher, but. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. But <laughs> that's Whoopi Goldberg. That clip never gets old. Jill Biden should be Surgeon General because she's an excellent doctor. <laughs> she's not a doctor. But the point is she wanted that media adulation, and she sure lapped up plenty of it, and that's why Joe Biden is the president right now because his wife just abused him and made him run. Not that he had to run hard because the pandemic allowed him to stay home. You see, his 2024 approach is the one thing nobody's talking about. They talk about Biden's poll numbers. They talk about his cognitive state. But the one thing you don't hear a lot of, I've made the point here on Fox on TV a lot, is that he can't physically run in 2024 because if the country's open, he has to get out there and campaign. And understand, okay, the campaign does not allow you to not do the job. Okay, it did in a pandemic, but in an open channel campaign where you've got to be out of the house talking every day, the White House doesn't trust him to do that as president. Do you understand? Every word he says is scripted. And when he goes off script for two seconds, they've got a scandal on their hands every single time he opens his mouth. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Okay, that's at the end of a scripted interview that happened. Okay, but understand, they know physically he cannot do the rigors of a campaign in 2024. There's no way he's going to run. And they also know there's a major liability hanging over the media right now called Hunter Biden. I agree with that. That's the part no one brings up. Okay, Hunter Biden is in the throes of major investigations. Now, I honestly don't expect the Biden DOJ to put the screws on the president's son. But at the same time, some of these investigations, as the ones playing out in Delaware, uh, are beyond Merrick Garland. They were opened up before the Biden presidency, and they could ultimately reflect in a horrible way on the media. I'm not saying Hunter's going to die in prison, but you are learning, if you've been paying attention, that there's a there there when it comes to this Hunter Biden laptop story. Okay, every single media outlet that blocked it in the run up to the election has now turned around and admitted, you know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they wouldn't let you share this on Twitter. They stood with big tech and were like, you can't do this before the election. It's Russian disinformation. The minute the guy, their guy won, they were like, oh, by the way, 
Yeah, it turns out that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story is real. The media is a bunch of losers. Understand, that was election interference. They swung the election. Okay, but they were willing to do so to get their guy in power. Now that their guy is as unpopular as he is, they'd love to get him out of power without anybody revisiting the fact that they are culpable for covering up one of the biggest scandals in the history of the presidency, which is a president having a son that was actively selling influence in this government while he was the sitting vice president under Barack Obama. That would be a big deal, especially when we now know, as we did before the election, that Hunter Biden's business partners came forward and corroborated the contents of the email. They said, yes, of course, we were doing all kinds of business. His dad was involved. He was getting a 10% kickback. Are you the big man, Joe? Okay, the media knows they're guilty of covering this up, just like they knew they were guilty for covering up the nursing home scandal of my former governor, Hansi Andy Cuomo. Andy! Andy! Understand, the media, knowing Cuomo falsified nursing home deaths in the run-up to the 2020 election, just continued to build him up anyway because they were building him up as a means of tearing down Trump. Oh, why can't Trump be more like Andy Cuomo? Andy! Andy! (laughs) Well, it's a good thing he wasn't more like Andy Cuomo because Andy was a little too social in the office. You ever seen a grown man naked? And the point is, when the election was over and the media got what they wanted out of Cuomo, a useful idiot, They didn't go back and revisit the scandal they were culpable in covering up. They ran him out of town on sexual harassment allegations. They're like, well, Cuomo's been flirting with women. Let's get him out of here. What kind of monster would flirt with women? Never mind that they knew that monster was actively getting elderly Americans killed in nursing homes by forcing them to live with infected coronavirus patients. Okay, that is not, you know. Anything other than elder side, it's murder. And then what did he do? He wrote down the death count. His own top aide testified against him that he wrote down the death count because he was trying to negotiate a book deal in the middle of the whole thing. That's Andrew Cuomo. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Just pure garbage. Okay, but the media was fine with it because they wanted to win an election. Just they were fine with the Hunter Biden scandal because they wanted to win an election. Now that the election is over and their guy isn't popular, the media wants to strategically distance itself from the monster they created. Saying Biden is old and he's lost his marbles is a really convenient way to do so. And the bigger issue, for Biden anyway, is that the Democratic Party seems to be on board with it. Because anytime you ask anybody who's on a ballot to endorse Joe Biden in 2024, oh my God, the, the, the tap dancing that goes on. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are like, where did you get moves like that? This is unbelievable. We could have had you in like uh, singing in the rain. This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. Have you ever seen how awkward it is when Joe Manchin or Caroline Maloney or like a Jerry Nadler gets asked when Tim Ryan from Ohio gets asked uh, if they're endorsing Biden? They're like, hey, are you here to endorse Joe Biden? They're like, oh, no, uh, um, uh, no, I was just meeting a, a hooker. Um, he, he should have been here by now. He must be running late. Nobody wants to admit they're endorsing Joe Biden. OK, the good news is they won't have to because he's not going to wind up running again. Okay. the bad news is he's still in power in the meantime, but that's coming to an end really fast. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right. This one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. 
Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics Total Tea will boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total Tea before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231-231 and enter the the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. So we're talking about what? We're talking about Joe Biden being in isolation and having his best week while he's at home. Yesterday, they threw him in front of a camera, let him talk about electric cars. And uh, as it turns out, for a moment there, he forgot what job he was doing. It's clip 10. I did. I must admit, in total disclosure, I've, I've spoken to the chairwoman about the possibility of my being able to buy one of those Corvettes that are electric vehicles that, uh, you know, when they come out. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do it because I can't drive a vehicle while I'm vice president, while I'm president <laughs> anymore than I can when I was vice president. Have you ever had a check? So he can't, you know, drive a vehicle while he's vice president. Biden's lost his marbles. He eventually caught himself, but this happens all the time. You know, he introduces his sister as his wife, his wife as his sister. He says he's running for, you know, running for Senate. Do you remember that one? I'm Joe Biden candidate for Senate. He got out there and called her President Harris several times. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. And the White House just announced that he tested positive for COVID again today. So this rebound case uh, has entered its fifth day of Biden being COVID positive a second time. This is a guy who's vaxxed and boosted four times, is now sitting here with COVID two times. It's hardly the sale. But I think the case they're going to try to make here, and it's just this is my prediction, is they're going to railroad him out of this. Number one, because if he continues to test positive for COVID, it really weakens their justification for forcing boosters on you and your kids. It's like how many people are really going to line up to get these boosters if everybody that has them gets COVID? Fauci had one of these cases. Biden had one of these cases. Everybody in Congress has been vaccinated, boosted. They all have COVID. You know, so they've got the fact that Biden's repeated diagnosis is making their covid regime weaker. And they've got the fact that as a president, he's just useless in this moment. So they will ultimately. That is my prediction now. Um, And, you know, I haven't been saying that this entire time, you know, during the run up to the election. I was like, yeah, this guy's a little out of it. He's he's the only guy I know who quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. He's just done. He's just sending in the punt team on second down. Uh, But the point is. As a president, he has become a really big liability, not only for his party, but for the media. Okay, Carolyn Maloney, if you remember, said he wasn't running at a debate the other night. Okay, here's a little bit of that. This is her on CNN Thursday. It's clip 16. But why did you why do you think he's not running? That was just my own personal belief, which I'm not going (laughs) to. This could. But I, I will support him if he runs. And it's totally his decision. Why do you have that personal belief? Well, we're all entitled to have our own information and our own beliefs. But I will support him if he runs for president. 
<laughs> oh, wow. Come on, man. Bottom line is she knows he's not running because they know internally he's not running. They discuss it all the time. OK, the party's over. Wish them the best. But Joe Biden is not a guy you can count on. A three letter word. Jobs. J-O-B-S. Jobs. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up on a Friday. Got a funny one going on here in New York City. You know, we, of course, do this show every day at Fox News headquarters, which is just a block outside of Times Square, which is, of course, a block outside of the Port Authority bus terminal here in uh, New York City. And if you've never been to, like, the worst neighborhood in Honduras and you don't have time to take a five-hour flight, uh, you can always walk over to Port Authority. And uh, it's basically just the Star Wars cantina with more taxis outside of it. It is a mess over at Port Authority, all kinds of hobbits and wizards. It's really funny. When I first started as a cab driver in New York City, uh, I had a uh, fellow cab driver from East Africa. Uh, who told me at the time, he's like, you don't pick up at Port Authority. Don't go. It is a mess. You'll get robbed. You'll get shot. And I was like, okay, I guess. Uh, And after two months on the job, I started driving over there in hopes of getting shot uh, because it's tough to be in traffic 12 hours a day. I'm come on. Where's this gunman I was promised? I want to get out of this cab already. Good God. Uh, But Port Authority has always been a mess, and it uh, made a little bit messier today uh, because the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, is doing something I can actually appreciate. It's an exercise in political trolling, but there's an end goal in mind, which is getting Washington, which is getting blue states to recognize what a liability the southern border has become on the resources of this great nation. Now, one thing the Democrats tell you all the time is what? Diversity is our strength. We should be building bridges, not walls. Okay, great. Well, that mindset, it led to what? The end of construction on Trump's border wall. A relax, a relaxed posture at the border in which we killed the remain in Mexico policy, empowered drug cartels to get more migrants into the country, smuggling them, charging them huge bounties. And it's created a massive humanitarian crisis where, you know, 30 percent of the women who cross this border illegally get sexually assaulted on the way. Okay, these are kids traveling with human traffickers. Okay, it's become a billion-dollar industry where the mafia is now involved at our southern border. They're not just going to let the cartels have all the fun. Uh, But the fact remains our border is wide open. And it's so open, in fact, that towns in Texas are having their resources completely overrun. You know, a good example would be like McAllen, Texas. I mean, crushed, okay, because the infrastructure isn't there to have 10,000 people coming into your country every week. Okay, that puts a strain on everything. That doesn't mean we hate these people. That doesn't mean we don't wish them well. That doesn't mean we don't have genuine empathy for them. But the fact remains they're breaking the law to get into our country and becoming a burden on our resources. That's what everyone in Texas has been saying for the better part of this entire Biden administration. And what has the Democrat response been? Oh, that's racist. That's bigoted. Come on, when's this anti-Mexican, anti-immigrant bile going to stop being distilled out of this white nationalist Republican Party? But now Greg Abbott is taking migrants who are crossing the border illegally in Texas and he is relocating them to blue areas like New York City and Washington, (laughs) D.C. But get this. All of those Democrats who said diversity is our strength. We should be welcoming these people. 
now that the people in their city uh, are arriving in their city and getting off of buses, they're all saying, send them back to Texas. Democrats are so full of crap. Oh, are they ever? Here's Eric Adams. Wanna be Jay-Z. He's our celebrity mayor here in New York City. Just, you know. He's fighting crime one bottle service at the 4040 Club at a time. Everybody I know works in the nightclub industry. Uh, everybody, every, Literally everybody I know has a picture with Eric Adams because he goes to every club in New York. He's not doing the job. He wants to be a national politician. He wants to run for president by leveraging the visibility of you know the New York mayorship. But unfortunately, New York has turned into a toilet in the last five or six years, and he is only speeding up its decline by being so indifferent to number one, supporting the police, number two, striking these woke bail laws from the books, but number three, just holding uh, anybody, anybody in power accountable in his own party. That's a liability in this day and age. People aren't as blindly partisan as they were four or five years ago because they see how much it's hurt our country to do so. You can't give your party a free pass if they're screwing things up. A lot of Democrats know that. That's why Biden's polling at 30 percent. Give them credit. They recognized that a lot of these woke initiatives are setting back society. Everything woke turns to But the wokest was what? Well, we should just take anybody into this country. Okay, whether they come legally, whether they come illegally, whether they're going to contribute, whether they're going to go on the dole and the rest of us are going to pay through tax dollars and strain our reach, just let them in because we're woke and welcoming. Great. So let's have them in your city. Hell no. You ain't coming to my city. What are you talking about? Here's Eric Adams. Guy who ran for mayor screaming and yelling about how all of these Texas border states, Arizona, should just shut up and welcome the migrants. New York will be a sanctuary city. If you won't take them, we will. So Abbott was like, fine, take them. And Eric Adams said the following, which I just think is just my favorite thing in the world. Here it is, clip 27. No matter where you are in the globe, no one, if you're asking someone that's just came to America, oh, where would you like to go? They're not going to say Idaho. They're not going to say, you know, they're going to say the city that everyone knows. They're going to say New York, you know. And so you basically set us up. And, you know, this is a real crisis. You ought to be ashamed of Secretary. yourself. What a piece of garbage. So what he's maintaining is that Abbott asked the people where they want to go. Where would you like to go on the bus? And that's how they wound up in New York. Now, we don't actually know that to be true. I just think Adams gave them no choice and sent them to New York. And why should they have a choice? You come into the country illegally and just get to pick your spot? But the bigger tell here, do you understand, is Eric Adams is saying, we don't want him here. Oh, wow. This is a real crisis. They're coming into our town. Listen, it was one thing when they were overrunning all of Texas. You know, you want to ruin Del Rio, McCallum, you want to go any of those areas, fine, great, strain the resources. Who cares about those people? But now you're in my city. These are my resources. Do you understand? They just spent all this time telling you it was racist if we don't let them in. So we were like, fine, let them in. They'll stay with you. And they were like, the number you have reached is not in service. Okay, understand, here's Greg Abbott making his point about why he's hoping This will get everybody to realize the magnitude of the crisis. This all goes back, and this is what's so gross about politics, just gross. This all goes back to the border wall. Okay, understand this. If you're listening for the first time, it's a very lighthearted show. I don't know, you know, I'm I'm just talking to you, man. We're just hanging out. Okay, every Democrat in Washington voted for border security. Okay, they all voted for a border fencing act under George W. Bush. Are you ready for it? And again... 
under Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Everybody in Washington wanted a wall along the southern border. Why? Because the wall's the front door of your house. Okay, you just want to know who's coming in, who's not. Okay, you want to keep out the bad guys, should there be any. Okay, you building a wall doesn't mean everybody who wants to come into this country is bad. It's just an acknowledgement that some of them will be. Correct the mundo. It's just the law averages. Okay, but if you tell them it's wide open, a lot of them will be. Correct the mundo. And that's where we are now. I mean, when you hear they're app- they've apprehended 50 people on the terror watch list at our border, and that doesn't speak to the hundreds or thousands who've gotten away, that's a bad problem. It's the front door of our house. It's wide open right now. But you understand it's wide open. Why? Because every Democrat in Washington who voted for border wall security twice heard Donald Trump come down the escalator and say, build a wall, and turned around and went, oh, that's racist. That's horrible. That's just how white folks will do you. That's what they did. Okay, this was pure politics. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean this guy wants the thing we've already voted for? We can't do that. This is a lane. We can call him racist. We can run against him. Forget it. We should start building bridges and not walls. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. That's how this mess started. We neglected the front door of our house in the name of scoring political points. No, no, Trump, we can't let this Trump guy secure the border. That's racist. He must clearly have an issue with the Mexican people. Folks, most of the people coming across the border aren't even from Mexico. But let's not even have that conversation. Let's just talk about the basic premise of the border being open, it becoming a massive liability for the resources here in this country. Okay, acknowledging that isn't saying immigrants stay out. It's saying immigrants come here legally, buy into the into the system, assimilate, pay taxes, be Americans, be proud, be glad you're here. It's the greatest place in the world. You know, you've hit the lottery if you happen to live in America. That's the message here. The reason Biden has lost 40 points with Latino voters is they agree with what I'm saying. They came here legally because they wanted to be Americans. They wanted to chase life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Not get told that we're racist and oppressive and we need the government to pay for every single thing they do from the cradle to the grave. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. You see, the reason the Democrats have lost the Latino vote, I mean, 40 points. Do you know how historic that is? 40 points, dude. That's unprecedented. But they've lost it because Latinos are proud people. They don't want to be victims. They don't want to have life handed to them. They want to go out and work. They take pride in their accomplishments. They take pride in their religion and their family. These are good, fun, happy people. They don't gravitate towards, oh, we want to be pretend oppressed so the government gives us stuff. They don't want that. And that's why Biden is losing Democrats. You know, the Democrats as a whole are losing Latino voters. But we're in this position right now where Greg Abbott is being forced to bus migrants to Democratic cities just to show them, to expose them for having no interest in having their own resources strained. When the Democrats say, oh, we got to let everybody in, they mean we got to let everybody in as long as they don't stay here. And once they're here long enough in those other states that are burdened and had their resources stretched, then let's hope to give them the right to vote so they'll start voting for us since we're cutting them a paycheck every day from the government subsidy funds. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. That's how we got here. We left the border wide open. It's strategic this time around, but it's based on nothing more and nothing less than scoring political points. They all wanted a wall. A wall is halfway built. It's my favorite thing about it. When Trump was building border wall and they were like, oh, it's not even new wall. It's just pre-existing wall. 
He's just finishing some of the pre-existing. Oh, well, if walls are so racist, person who's been in power, how the hell is their pre-existing wall? I think he's got a point. This is the scam of politics. So here's Abbott trying to expose it, clip 28. Public officials across the country, they do need to realize the magnitude of the chaos created by Biden's open border policies. They're up in arms about a few thousand people coming into their communities over the past few months. Listen, in any one sector in the state of Texas, we have more than 5,000 people come across that sector every single day. And so, listen, we're full in the state of Texas. Our communities are overrun. And I started busing people to Washington, D.C., when local officials could not handle the number of people that had come across our border. And what did they do in Washington, D.C.? He started busing people to Washington, D.C. Muriel Bowser said, hey, we can't take all these people. The feds need to get involved. Bring in the National Guard. Do you remember when Trump wanted the National Guard down at the southern border? They were like, that's racist. Come on, man. This guy's an animal. We've never seen anything like it. If you remember, AOC went down to the border. AOC went down to the southern border where the air quote kids were in cages. AOC is a dope. Posted all of those photos of herself in a white pantsuit crying outside the fence of the border facility. Okay, the amount of people apprehended at the border right now is over 20 times larger than it was when AOC cried under Donald Trump. Has AOC been back down to the border to revisit that crisis? The answer would be no. How about Biden? The answer would be no. How about the border czar, Kamala Harris? The answer would be no. They don't care about these people is the point I'm trying to make, dude. They don't care. It's all, you know, politically expedient moves. Call it racist under the one guy. Say it's fine under the other. And never mind that kids in cages, not real cages, they happen to be holding areas that were built under Barack Obama. Don't be thick, all right? But that's just reality. And I've told you the story a thousand times. When we had the kids in cages crisis, and understand they're only being separated from their families because they're not coming with their families. Drug traffickers, okay, they know their asylum case has a much higher chance of getting granted if they show up with a child. So that's what they do. They bring a child, and that gets their asylum case granted. Well, what we started doing all the way back under George W. Bush is separating every child who came across the border from the adult they were with momentarily so we could make sure the person they were with was someone they legally belonged to. Tell it like it is. That's the whole point of separation. It's not being done for racism. It's not being done to, I'm going to punish, you know, Mexicans. That's not the point. It's there so children don't get punished. I agree with that. Okay, that's why it was going on under Obama. And when they were separating kids under Obama, okay, someone at the New York Times used one of those pictures, if you remember, And posted it when Trump was in office, saying, oh, here's a picture of Trump's cages. And then the Associated Press was like, "Uh, you know, New York Times, that picture was actually taken under Barack Obama. (laughs) Think about that. But here's Eric Adams again, as the migrants now make it into a blue city, saying they should stay in Texas. Clip 29. The Texas governor invited us to the border. Uh, What the Texas governor should do is invite those who were trying to find housing in his state to give them housing instead of uh, sending them here. What an idiot. Eric Adams is a jackass, just an embarrassment to his profession. Okay, do you hear what he just said? He basically said to the migrants, go back to where you came from. That's what he said. Okay, the Texas governor should be getting them houses in Texas. They don't belong here. Oh, so if you break into the country, it's a country. It's our country. It's our border. That the Democrats have abandoned. So one state should just shoulder the burden for all of that? Get the f*** out of here, Eric Adams. 
Okay, but understand why we're only having this conversation. Yes, they're hypocritical, but we're only in this position to begin with because they just wouldn't shut up and build the damn wall. Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Trying to hold this country together on a Friday. Fired up. Jason Chapis is going to be here. Got a couple of comedians on. Bob Zaney. He's a legend. He's on the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. Zaney was on the Gong Show. He's on Evening at the Improv back in the day. He's done it all, Tonight Show, stuff like that. Uh, but right now, most of the conversation focusing on the comedian in the White House, if you will. Good gosh. What a dumb week. I'm going to give you this Adams clip one more time because Adams is basically a victim of Biden's border policy. This is my mayor. Mr. Diversity is our strength. Mr. Everyone is welcome here in New York City. Donald Trump shouldn't be securing the border. That was Eric Adams on the campaign trail. Now that the unsecured border, which is something he was in favor of, has ended up in his own city, he's telling everyone to get the hell out. It's clip 29. The Texas governor invited us to the border. Uh, What the Texas governor should do is invite those who were trying to find housing in his state to Mm. give them housing instead of uh, sending them here. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I mean, that's really think about what he's saying, man. What is he saying? Oh, just find houses. Suck it up. Don't strain my resources. Suck it up. Yo, the whole point of the country, the United States, is we're all supposed to be in this together. But with the point I'm trying to make, the takeaway here, is that Greg Abbott is trying to solve the problem. The Democratic Party doesn't care about the problem, not even a little bit, as long as it doesn't wind up at their house. That is correct. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh boy, we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. We don't necessarily have the best customer service when it comes to buying tickets on StubHub in the world. Uh, But the country itself is fine. We'll get into that later in the hour. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Just off the line with customer service and getting back into it with you, the listener, uh, for a big hour that includes former Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz, who is going to be here to discuss. Wow, this is a hot one right now in political circles. You know, there's been a lot of talk that the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, could run in 2024. Obviously, that would set him up for a showdown with a potential Donald Trump candidacy. You know, he's trying to become a Grover Cleveland 
be the first guy, to, the second guy anyway, to serve two non-concurrent terms in office. And there's a hot theory in Washington that maybe Trump stands down and endorses Ron DeSantis and creates an unstoppable run to the White House for the Republican Party. Wrong. Now, a lot of people say that's not going to happen, that Trump's ego would be too big to step aside. But my question to you, and it's the question I'm going to ask Chaffetz, and we're going to get into it in this hour, is would you be okay with that? Would you want Trump to step aside for somebody younger who brought less baggage to the table? You know, somebody who might give you all the Trump policies without, you know, some of those Trump wild pitches, you know, where he gets on Twitter or gets in front of a microphone and, you know, (laughs) throws one into the bleachers. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Now, I don't know that this is even an option. I just know there's two things going on right now in 2024. Uh, DeSantis is running, obviously. They're all running. Every Republican who says, oh, if Trump runs, I'm not running. They're all running. They just can't say they're running now. Reason being is because that puts them into the campaign now. That has repercussions as it pertains to federal election laws and fundraising and everything in between. But more importantly, it puts them in a toe-to-toe scenario with Donald Trump, who is the most formidable politician in the country. You know, Trump is polling ahead of Joe Biden, which is hilarious when you think of how much work the Democrats and the media have thrown into this January 6th committee. It's right now on hiatus. They're ready for season two in the fall. And in the process of this committee starting between then and now, Biden's approval rating has gone down. Trump's approval rating has actually gone up. (laughs) Attribute that to whatever you want. But the point is, nobody wants to go toe to toe to Trump right now and say, I'd run against him and start campaigning and attacking the guy. They don't want that fight, which we all understand. Okay, but the fact remains that when he finally does make his move, everyone's going to make one to go with it. And they are going to square off against each other. And there is a huge appetite within the Republican Party for anybody but Trump. Reason being is they think he's the only guy that can lose to the Democrats in 2024 only because so many people in this country just hate him. Like, I'm not saying you hate him. I'm not saying you don't think his policies are good. I'm not saying you don't think he was better than Biden. I think he's better than Biden. I think his policies are exponentially better than anything in the Democratic Party. Okay, but in terms of winning the election, it's not about what you think. It's not about what I think. It's what about it's about what a majority of Americans think. And I promise you, there are a lot of people out there that are unreachable. There is no world where they're voting for Donald Trump. They're just not doing that. Now, other guys who have a more disciplined message might be able to win him over. I'm not saying they will because a lot of people just blindly vote for their party. That's why California and New York are both giant outdoor restrooms. But as bad as they are, the people just keep voting in Democratic leadership over and over and over and over again. I mean, you think about that. Every time there's a riot, what do we get told? Well, a riot's a language of the unheard. It's a Martin Luther King line. These people are rioting because they don't feel heard by their leaders. Okay. But who, who have their leaders been for the last 50 years? Democrats. Bingo. Democrats were the ones not listening. Their policies are terrible, and we know that to be the case. But people who blindly vote for their party are never voting for Donald Trump. People who vote on character are never voting for Donald Trump. Okay, if we were being completely honest, he kind of disqualified himself on January 6th. Okay, I'm not agreeing with the media. It wasn't a coup attempt. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. But he did, in fact, give a speech 
uh, down the block from the Capitol create the potential for chaos and in refusing to accept the results of the election and then refusing to tell people to stand down, he did kind of disqualify himself in, in, an, in, in an objective world. But there's obviously a lot of Republicans and a lot of people uh, who do want to see him run again because they'd have so much access to the presidency and they'd have Trump and they'd have that fantasy of being back in the White House and being relevant again. Myself, I really just sit here every day. I know Trump's whole family. I love I honestly I love just about every one of his policies and I know he's not a racist or anything like that but I think he might be a liability for the Republicans I want to know what you think would you want Trump to step aside and endorse DeSantis or are you looking for the middle finger because the middle finger which is Trump running again and winning I gotta be honest it's tantalizing I mean as middle fingers go Trump beating Hillary Clinton was the biggest middle finger in the history of the establishment in our government Okay, but Trump running now and winning again, my gosh, that's a double-barreled middle finger. You know, so I could see this go either way. But I I think right now, all things being equal, he's the one beatable Republican in 2024. They can't beat Tim Scott. They can't beat DeSantis. They're not going to beat like a Nikki Haley. Okay, but they probably could beat Trump just because half the country is just never going to give him a chance no matter what he does. Understand where we are with Donald Trump. Okay, he had our economy at the greatest position it's ever been in in the history of this country. We didn't have a 40-year high in inflation. We didn't have a record high in gas prices. We didn't have a 35-year spike in the murder rate. We didn't have an all-time high in fentanyl overdose deaths. Okay, all of these things are, uh, you know, happening under Joe Biden's leadership. But we don't talk about this stuff in the media. What we talk about in the media is climate change and abortion till the kids in fifth grade. And if you're not doing that, you hate women. You know, gun control, things nobody prioritizes. What Trump got right, the reason he was so effective, the reason he was able to win, despite the mean tweets and everything in between, is because he prioritized what you prioritize. That's why they called him a blue-collar billionaire. It's very devastating, very effective by prioritizing the things you cared about instead of the things the media cared about. That's why Trump was so effective. That's why he won. So his message is a potent message because he returns to the stage – With, hey, we didn't have any of this crap going on under me. And if he ran on that, he'd win. You know, you'd like to think. But the concern is he might run on 2020 was a scam. He might run on trying to redeem his ego, trying to get the public conversation to a place where Americans would actually admit they stole the election from him. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying they stole the election from him. I don't have proof that they stole the election from him. I have proof there was a lot of chicanery. States worked around their constitutions. They broke laws, but they changed the rules on the front end. So unfortunately, most of these ballots were legally cast, even though that process of voting had never been legal before. And a lot of instances will never be legal again. They did find an exception to railroad him out of the presidency. But understand, it was only possible. It was only possible because the Republican establishment went along with it. He knows what he's talking about. You understand, there is a uniparty in Washington that doesn't want this guy in power. That's part of the problem here. That's part of the challenge is that the establishment doesn't want him, even in the Republican Party. They don't want a guy in there they can't control. They want to go along to get along guy. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is a guy they can control. But what I am saying is Ron DeSantis takes all the Trump positions. He's a very effective communicator, and he doesn't make the unforced errors that Trump does by tweeting something insane or getting into a fight with Saturday Night Live or calling Rosie O'Donnell a hog, which, again, isn't always a mistake because a lot of people hate Rosie O'Donnell. But the fact remains fighting with the view is not what people need out of a president right now. 
what they need out of a president is someone who prioritizes the issues facing the country. And that's where DeSantis is really winning and making a case for himself. It's because the media is giving him the Trump treatment. They're saying he's Hitler. They're saying he's a white supremacist. They're saying he hates everybody. Okay, but the fact remains that everybody in America is moving to Florida. They've got the biggest, the biggest incoming population of any state in the country right now. And most of the people are moving out of blue states to get there. You know, that's the joke of right now. Guys like Gavin Newsom, every media outlet, oh, DeSantis, he's the worst. But everybody's moving there. So how bad could it really be? It's like think of it as a restaurant. If there's a three-hour wait to get a table, people probably like the food. Okay, the food's probably pretty good. The chef's probably halfway decent. And that's the joke of right now. And the more the media tries to attack DeSantis, the more it raises his profile in the process. Okay, and it's making DeSantis, you know, the same supervillain it made Trump. But that relevance also brings a lot of attention to his record and the fact that he's going after the issues you're going after yourself. You know, DeSantis this week threw an attorney general off the job who didn't want to prosecute criminals. Just a woke attorney general. It's like, nah, we're not going to enforce the laws anymore because of equity. Everything woke turns to Everything. Okay. Here's Andrew Warren back in July. This is the attorney general DeSantis got rid of. Okay, talking about why he's not going to enforce the state's abortion laws. The attorney general. Nah, I'm not going to do it. If I don't like a law, I'm not going to do it. Okay, here it is, clip four. Abortion to be safe and legal. And now, in many parts of the country, in many circumstances, it will be neither. And I know we've been focused a lot on how and where those lines are drawn 26 weeks or 24 weeks or 15 weeks, but we are missing the fundamental question. It's not where we draw the line, it's who gets to draw the line. I worry about my daughters, about the freedom that's being taken away from them, about the future that we're leaving them. So I'm horrified. I'm upset. I'm disappointed. I'm scared. I'm worried. Get him out of here. Get him out. So it's the state's attorney, by the way. Ashley Moody is, of course, the attorney general. She appeared on our show last week and was wonderful, by the way. But the state's attorney, Andrew Warren, is who he's actually um, suspending, getting rid of, uh, because of the quote you just heard. Okay, we got to figure out who draws the line. It's, you know. Screw this democracy stuff. Screw this government stuff. Screw this law stuff. And DeSantis taking a very basic position like, hey, you have to enforce the law. That shouldn't be bold politics. But in this day and age, it is because in a lot of blue states, they don't want to enforce the law. Here's DeSantis explaining the position. It's clip five. States attorneys that put their ideology over the rule of law are not satisfying their oath of office. We've had prosecutors around this country that think they can pick and choose which laws to enforce. And we had the individual here from Hillsborough County say and sign letters that there are certain laws he just won't enforce and won't prosecute. And and that is not consistent with his oath of office. And he is uh, eligible at that point for suspension and removal. Hmm. So here's Andrew Warren pushing back on that clip seven. Do you plan to step down or have someone take over for you? Uh, Again, I haven't even looked at the order yet, so... I don't even know where to start with all the nonsense that the governor is throwing out today. I'm still doing this job as state attorney. I'm the twice duly elected state attorney of Hillsborough County, and the governor signing something with a pen or a crayon doesn't change that. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. (laughs) It's 
Trump is so funny. Uh, <laughs> that's a president of the United States yelling, go home. I mean, it's hilarious. That's the thing about Trump. This is the real challenge for the Republican Party right now, just so you guys understand. DeSantis is a better candidate than Trump. Better message, better message discipline. He's actually got a better track record against COVID, like Trump shut down the whole country. DeSantis was the one governor who wielded his power to keep people open and free and let them trust their own self-preservation instincts. DeSantis was the model in terms of how you respond to COVID without the government ruining everything. Trump, for whatever we think of the guy, was duped into shutting down his whole economy and destroying his chances at reelection. Now, again, okay, I like the idea of the Trump circus atmosphere. I like the idea of the double barrel F you to the establishment. So it's very tempting to say, yeah, no, he should run again. Okay. But I think if it came to winning the race, I actually in this moment think a DeSantis or a Tim Scott would be better. That's just my assessment. It doesn't mean that's how it's going to go. It doesn't mean Trump's not going to run. But later in the hour, we'll try to get to some of your calls. I'm going to ask Jason Chaffetz as well. Uh, But 888-788-9910. Should Trump run? Should he step aside and endorse DeSantis? Uh, should I stop drinking? Am I am I bothering you with this level of analysis? But this is a grown up talk we're going to have to have because it's coming fast. Once the midterms are over, the minute the midterms are over, okay, and let's hope it lasts that long. Everybody's going to start making their plans for 2024, meaning everybody's going to start announcing. The one thing you hope and pray for in the meantime is that Trump doesn't announce now, because the Democrats are in a really bad spot in terms of how they mismanage this country. Really, really bad. And if the midterms were held tomorrow, the debate would be over the economy. It would be over fuel prices, you know, things like inflation. Okay, that wins the Republicans' control of Congress. If Trump announces a candidacy tomorrow, the midterms are going to be about the 2020 election, not the 2022 midterms. And that doesn't really end well for the Republicans. And that doesn't put Trump in a better position heading into 2024. So I'm really interested to hear what people have to say. I'm going to ask Jason Chaffetz as well, because this is the, you know, this is the fork in the road, for better or for worse, for the Republican Party that's heading down the pipe. It's, you know, somebody's going to get nominated in 2024. I know everybody wants, you know, a Trump revenge tour, a big F you to the establishment. And that's great. I think it would be hilarious. I'm not telling you I'm against it. I just want to know your assessment. Does that make this a winnable election or is it time for a new guy with Trump's endorsement? And I say that because, you know, for whatever you think of Trump, everybody he's endorsing is winning, you know. So is this a a way to satisfy his ego? By letting him endorse what will ultimately be the winning candidate, get to claim that he beat the Democrats again, but not having to cost the election in the process by getting out there and saying stuff that's crazy. Because no matter how you slice it, okay, here's the reality. The Democrats have met a better case. They have made a better case for Trump or a Republican president in 2024 than every Republican ever could combined because of just how disgusting their governorship has been, because of just how grossly they have mismanaged this country. We don't have the stature. You know when they say, you know, the old Reagan line, are you better now than you were four years ago? Just ask that to the country's image as a whole. Are we better off now? Than we were two years ago? I think we all know the answer. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be getting into your calls. Jason Chaffetz is joining us as well. Uh, Julian's on the line in Los Angeles. The question I asked was, should Trump run? Should he step aside and endorse DeSantis? What do you do in 2024? Yo, Julian! Yo! My man. Jimmy, how are you doing today? Good. I was just out in your hood with Jenny and Lincoln. We went to um, uh, Benny's Burritos in Santa Monica probably 12 times. That's my favorite place. How was how the bathroom run? <laughs> wait, the wait on the sidewalks, you mean? <laughs> exactly. Not good. Um, Not good. We got a minute of you and me time. Let's make it count. What do you think Trump's going to do? I think he's going to pass it off. You think so? Give I it- do. I do. He he He's all into this live thing, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants to keep on playing golf, focus on that, get his par ones <laughs> and uh, hole-in-ones and uh, – Give it to DeSantis so he could run, uh, a, you know, yeah. a second term. Well, it's interesting because if he did go, if he does do what you said, which is go be a golf celebrity on the Lib Tour, he's beloved there. And he's going to make gazillions of dollars as opposed to serving the country for free and getting called Hitler for four more years. You know, <laughs> so well, we're looking we're looking for a new set of uh, Trump club, not title it. <laughs> I, no, I agree. And I, but I think the point is, yeah, if you're going to call a guy Hitler, at least give him a couple of bucks to listen to it. But, um, Julian, I'm with you. I, I, if his ego can do it, the Republicans would be unstoppable in 2024 with a DeSantis with a Trump endorsement behind him. They'll be unstoppable with a Trump endorsement behind anybody. But Trump doing his own thing, it really could get dicey. We might be better off with him on the golf tour. So Jimmy, I'll throw my weight around. That ringing. I love it. I love you. <laughs> we'll do it again. You're the man. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. It's a mess out there in these streets. I'm trying to hold this country together, as you know, but I'm bringing in some heavy-duty backup right now. He's a former congressional superstar from the great state of Utah, now one of the most beloved Fox News contributors in the history of the channel. Jason Chaffetz is in the house. Hey, man. Van Halen and that type of introduction, man, I want to come back every day. That was awfully nice of you. Well, listen, you you paid me 50 bucks to write it and say it that way. It was the least I could do, right? Yeah, well, that's that that's for 10 in a row, buddy. So <laughs> they, that, that's one. And now just to be clear, this was Venmo because I haven't seen the money in my bank account yet. <laughs> Well, it, it's coming. I, I, I still use Western Union. <laughs> Western Union. Oh, old school. I love that, Chaffetz. Um, I got so much on my mind. But what I want to do with you by the end of this interview today is I have a bunch of callers. And me and you might have to like conduct a little veritable town hall like you're back in your congressional oh, days. Yeah. Bring it on. Because the question I posited to the American people is an interesting theory. Okay, nobody knows what Trump's going to do yet in 2024. I think all indications are that he's going to run. But, you know, there is this other thing floating around, this idea that maybe he doesn't run. He goes and becomes a golf celebrity on the live tour and maybe endorses like a Ron DeSantis. Do you think a Trump endorsed candidate? I would consider any Trump endorsed candidate a lock, given the mismanagement of the Democratic Party. What do you think? Uh, I think so. I think uh, Donald Trump enjoys a base. uh, You can go to any state. He has a significant base of people who like what he's done and how he's done it. And. And you know what? If you just look at his endorsement um, rate and how successful his candidates were for the United States Congress in getting the nominations, 
it's pretty much off the charts. Yep. That And that's the thing is that right now, like when you look at the country, OK, he's got the built in popularity. But the Democrats are actually making a stronger case for him than I think he could, than I think a DeSantis could or a Tim Scott or anybody who wants to run could just because of how they mismanage this. Like I was going to ask you this. OK, if you were actually doing a town hall, you're back in Utah. OK. And you were talking and taking questions about, you know, issues that people prioritize in Utah. Are you really going to get an overwhelming amount of people concerned about climate change, late term abortion or gun confiscation? Um, gun confiscation probably would, because uh, I tell you, Second Amendment's pretty. Well, yes. Here. Yeah, I, I would. But it would be but, the exact opposite of the position that the, the yeah. Democrats have taken. But um, no, the, the others, you know, probably not in the top 20. It's not um, inflation, energy, energy prices, um, uh, crime, justice. I mean, these are all uh, immigration. These yep. are all core issues that people. That eighty, they're what we call eighty percent issues. No matter where you go, that that's you're going to be on the right track if you just get the right answer to those. It's so true. We're talking to the great Jason Chaffetz, Fox News contributor, former Utah congressman. I did promise we would take a few calls. Uh, Chaffetz, brace yourself because you just you never know what you're getting into I'm on this show. In. <laughs> like half half of my listeners are brilliant. The other half are cooking meth. Uh, But they're great people, and it's fine meth. It's gluten-free. It's keto. So, you know, I don't want to disparage them. Uh, But batting leadoff in the Lake of the Ozarks, where I am heading August the 19th to the Encore to do stand-up, Martin is in the Lake of the Ozarks. Yo, Martin. Jimmy, thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, Excited to hear you're going to be in town in August. Oh, it's a big deal. But just so you know, I got Jason Chaffetz co-hosting this segment, and he's out in Utah surrounded by wonderful people. So don't use your regular language, okay? (laughs) I'll try to and try to keep it happy for all those Mormons out there. Yeah, play some defense, Martin. That's the point, right, Jason? We need him to play some defense. I just want to reference the fact you said uh, DeSantis, he's got to be the guy because, you know, in the midst of everything shutting down, he didn't shut it down. That's technically not the case, Jimmy. Okay. March of 2020, everything shut down. Yeah. Now, now DeSantis was very quick to tell anybody – we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And while our gentleman up in New York, I forget the old governor who can't seem to keep his hands off people. <laughs> Cuomo. Well, everybody thought he should get an Academy Award and that's mm-hmm. the way to do things. And mm-hmm. thousands of people died. Yep. DeSantis obviously led the way with how to treat COVID. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Aside, aside from that, anybody who Trump backs, it's not necessarily a win because Trump backed them. Those individuals are winning right now because they're the best candidate. Okay. Now, in the deep down, darkest places of my heart, what I'd really like to see mm-hmm. is DeSantis lead from the front on a Trump as a VP ticket. Because I always <laughs> feel like a VP, we kind of saw it with Pence. Wait, mm-hmm. what What can I do? Or where should I stand? Or what's going on here? Uh-huh. He's been to the show. He's bigger than life. That That is Trump. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see such a powerful ticket that people are like, this is the best of both worlds. We, we have yeah. the business acumen of Trump, mm-hmm. who obviously everybody voted for in 2016 because we were sick and tired of standalone politicians. No offense, Mr. Chaffetz over there. No, um, Chaffetz is one of the good guys. He, we, he paid had, me to say that too, though, so continue. idea in America, Jimmy, <laughs> that somebody non-establishment needed to go to the office mm-hmm. and do the job to, to reinforce the fact that it's not bickering on each side. We always heard about the swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
DeSantis is not part of the swamp, and he's proven it. He's got a track record, and we've got really good leadership down there in Florida, which needs mm-hmm. to envelop the rest of the country. Uh-huh. I'd like to see him be the ticket, but I would like to see Trump there to help out. Okay, let, let's chafe it, and I chop this up a minute. Jason, my first question to you is, is there any world, uh, as, as, as much as Martin loves this idea, where any candidate could possibly let Trump be VP just because he would overshadow the candidate, wouldn't he? Oh, I don't think Trump would ever do. Yeah, that. I mean, ego wise, you know what I'm saying, Martin? No, like, he, I get he, why he, you're saying that you're not, you know, not it's not wrong. But I don't think there's any world where he's signing up to be somebody's Mike Pence. No, he's you know, he, he doesn't need a limo. He, he's got a nice place to live and he's not handing out a whole lot of business cards at this point in his life. So <laughs> I, 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 I get the sentiment. I really do. Yeah. But um yeah, but I yeah, I just don't think he sits in the back seat. I think it's tough on the ticket. But Martin, I get it. And I get why and Martin, believe me, I get why you say that. Um and it's not just because of the day drinking. No, I do th- I do think, you know, your head's in the right place. That's why I think the endorsement would have to be, you know, the closest he came to a second fiddle. Because that's a way for his ego to be satiated and say my guy won without actually having to sign up to be guy number two. But thank you for the call, Martin. Uh you know, other thing I was gonna say, Jason, really quick is that's the issue of Trump endorsing somebody is that is the ego thing. You know, he has the base you talked about. And there's just the reality that I think there's a part of him that wants to give this second middle finger to the establishment and pull a Grover Cleveland and get the gig back. Like what per, what percentage would you say for Trump a second presidency would be ego uh, as opposed to just, you know, genuinely wanting to be passionate about doing this job? Because it's got to be ego on some level. It, it, the way Trump does it, it's like 100% in both categories. He just doesn't, <laughs> he, like, it, it just doesn't, like, well, I'm 60% here and 40% there. No, he just, he, look, he had a work ethic mm-hmm. that was second to none. Yep. I mean, it was unbelievable. The guy never slept. Reince Priebus told me this story. I was talking to him on the phone. It was like midnight. He was still at the White House. He said, I got to go home. I got to get some sleep. And I said, well, what time is the boss going to start pinging you? And he said, about 345 in the morning. So I'm going to be back here by 5 a.m. and I'll already be an hour behind. I mean, <laughs> the, Trump is unbelievable that way. But, yeah, I mean. He has a you bit know. of a an ego. I think anybody <laughs> who runs for president probably yeah. has an ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but you know he has a degree of competence and and his policies were winners. Oh, I God. mean, there's so much better than what we're dealing with now. Yeah. The, but the issue is, it's like I look at that like NFL quarterbacking. You know how teams don't want a really popular backup. Because it overshadows the starter and it makes headlines that don't actually help the put team. Put him in. Put him in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. It's why Tim Tebow, I mean, aside from the fact that he couldn't throw, it's why Tim Tebow isn't still in the NFL. It's because, like, you don't want a backup quarterback who leads the league in jersey sales. That doesn't make things better on the regular guy, <laughs> you know? And make no mistake about it, Trump would be selling a lot of jerseys as a vice president. Um, hey, a bigger crowd than the president? That's going to be a problem. Yeah, how does that work out? <laughs> That's not good. Uh, you, know, when, you know, when Guns N' Roses has Faith No More opening up, uh, it's because most of the people in the crowd are there to see Guns N' Roses. If Faith No More draws 100,000, you know, it's, yeah, you got a big problem. Um, let's go to Alex. Alex is in Brooklyn. Uh, he's one of the brightest guys listening to the show. Yo, Alex, don't make me look bad for saying that. Hey. No, I, I won't do that. Um, thanks for taking the call, and hello to you, um, Mr. Former Congressman. Um, 
here's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for President Trump running for president, mm-hmm. I think if I think if he's going to announce before November, it's definitely definitely going to be a yes because why would he bring the shame on him earlier than what is necessary? You could say it a couple of months down the line, mm-hmm. but I want him to be the president of the United States. I don't think he could win because of these January 6 hearings that he's had against him. The Democrats have incited way too much hate against him in the Democratic Party. So he could win the nominee, but not the general election. Mm-hmm. Although I would also want him to run just as the nominee for the entertaining, for the <laughs> entertainment of that, to see him against, you know, a replay of Hillary Clinton and Trump. Or yeah. Even Alex, you're here for the show. Trump. I get it. hilarious. Yeah, no, there's there's that aspect the of show it. that. Yeah. No, believe yeah. me, as a guy who likes a good food fight, I'm all for him coming back down the escalator. I don't know how it plays out, but I think you make a lot of good points. I'm going to let you go, Alex, because we're going to come up against a break. But thank you. Sharp as always. Uh, Chaffetz, there is that aspect of this. OK, is that if he runs, as you know, it is a media circus like it's, you know, things are a little crazy right now. But we also have a president. You were talking about Trump's work ethic. Biden is the most bare minimum employee I've ever seen in any capacity, let alone the presidency. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, that's how he ran his campaign. He did it from the basement, you know, <laughs> and the media let him get away with it. It was Nuts. Such a bad excuse. Well, that's the other thing. Let me tag that then, because the point you make about the media letting him get away with it. If there's no pandemic in 2024 and the world's wide open, Biden would have to campaign. And he physically can't campaign and do 300 events, you know, in like a six month period, the way a traditional candidate would. Right. Well, look, he has endorsed, I think, this election cycle. Oh, I was talking about Biden, but yes, Trump, I know he's endorsing everybody. No, no, but no, I'm I'm talking about Biden. Oh, okay, okay. In this election cycle, he's endorsed less than five people. I mean, literally, that's that's the number of endorsements. So it's not one thing to want to go out and do an event. Mm -hmm. There are people like Tim Ryan running for the United States Senate in Ohio. They don't want him coming to Ohio. (laughs) Steve, Stacey Abrams, he says, don't come to Georgia. I'm actually on the ballot. I don't want to be on the ballot for you. So (laughs) I don't think he's going to get any invites if he did, but, nope. you know, Listen, go ahead and run. More people would want Hunter in charge of the DEA than Joe in charge of the country. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> that would be an interesting fit, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just say yes. The government's new policy. Just say yes. Sorry, Nancy Reagan. Uh, Chaffetz, you're the man. Thanks for co-hosting the show today. Made my life a lot easier. Hey, this is always fun. always enjoy joining You're the best. We'll do it again, brother. There he Take goes. Care. The legendary Jason Chaffetz. Check out the Jason in the House podcast and check us out back after this. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who will be out in Carson, Nevada at the Nugget Friday night, August the 25th, Saturday night, August the 26th. The man you will see on the bill with me performing live, taking on the incoming fire from a live comedy audience, a man who has taken on the incoming fire from enemy troops in the past. The great Brian Lee returns to the program. Hey, girl. My brother, you, you you made my day by bringing me on with the song from Saturday Night Main Event. Now, how cool is that? <laughs> well, listen, I'm, gl- I'm glad it worked out. I know you wanted What a Feeling from Flashdance, but uh, 
we couldn't find. Hey, that's it. a fine Pittsburgh movie, sir. Don't don't be smirch it. <laughs> well, do you, we haven't had this talk, but did you know Lincoln Phelan, my thirteen-year-old son, somehow has become like he's a huge Steeler fan, and um, he's never been out to Heinz Field or whatever you're calling it this week. But uh, could the Phelan survive a Pittsburgh tailgate? How rowdy does it really get? I, actually, it's not bad unless they're playing the Ravens. Then you can guarantee it's it's like Mad Max. It's, a, it's, it's like a Dodger one. game. Have you ever been to a Dodger game? There's about 100 fights. It's so weird because nobody shows up to Dodger games till the fifth inning. It's because they're beating the snot out of each other in the parking lot. That's the only Steeler games I've ever been to live was when they played the Ravens. And, yeah, it was uh, – it was like, it's like like Chicago now, I guess, would be the easiest way to describe it. So, <laughs> you, you don't mean the Chicago Stadium. You mean like downtown Chicago? It's like downtown Chicago, exactly. <laughs> Yo, Michigan Avenue is where SEAL Team 6 goes to get scared. Like, it's it's not good. No, it's not good, Brian Lee. How are things looking out in Carson? We moving some product? Well, this is, man, this is incredible. Since the last time I talked to you, last Friday, mm-hmm. when it was announced that I was going to be your opening act, <laughs> we sold out both 8 o'clock shows. Whoa, look at us making moves. Hold on. Oh, oh. There it is. There it is. All right, you can kill that. <laughs> but that's... So yeah, 8 o'clock sold out, but fortunately we have four shows, so we got two 10 o'clock shows. Uh, but one Friday, one Saturday, that, that still have tickets available. All right. Uh, and and plenty of room. These. I'll stay on these people. Let's go. It's ccnugget.com. If you're out, you're listening on KKFT, uh, go to the Nugget. Friday night, August the 25th. Saturday night, August the 26th. See your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. You'll see Brian Lee in action. And uh, Brian is one of the best children's comedians on the circuit, no? <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, well, except for that one time in Monterey. That was about it. I, I did pretty good. <laughs> Listen, no, no, hold on a second. If there's somebody listening that wants to lose a custody battle, taking their kid to your show is a slam dunk, is it not? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I love the fact that as I worked my way up through comedy I, and I, I would, like, advertise a show, there would always be one person, hey, she, you know, can my kids come to this? And I'm like <laughs> – Exactly. I said exactly that. If you don't want to keep them, of course. <laughs> what he's trying to say is we're playing prison rules. This is like real comedy. We're not showing up and tap dancing and worrying about anybody's feelings. Now, the point is we're not be, you know, saying outrageous things just to say them. You know, we're doing so in the name of funny. But the point is you don't go to see a Brian Lee show. You know, it's like going to see Ozzy. You know, there's going to be, you know, if you don't you don't like the idea of a bat getting its head bit off, you, you don't go see Ozzy. You know, you are the comedy equivalent, I think, of biting off a bat's head. In fact, you started the pre- pandemic. A lot of people don't know that. Well, that, uh, and I, I try to keep that up. I usually say that for my, my closer, but thanks for giving up my, my bit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, right. You no, know, I, I okay. like to call them. I, I call it the 1090. I have the mullet of comedy. It's like I, I entertain uh, 90 percent and I insult the other 10. And I think that's perfect. Yeah, it is. That's a good that is a good distribution. That is an actual good ratio of comedy. You want to make them feel welcome. It's the Olive Garden. You're here, your family. And then once they sit down, you start beating them with breadsticks. That's why they love you. Brian. Perfect analogy. <laughs> so, no, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, we oh, it's, it's going to be a great weekend. We had so much fun last time you were out here. And, and um, we're, it's going to be that same way again. You damn and right like I is. said last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, we're open every Friday and Saturday. You don't have to wait till Jimmy comes out. Come see us. <laughs> that's the other. That's the other thing. They're open all the. They're open tonight. You know, you can go see Brian Lee in action tonight. 
Uh, but if you're busy tonight, you better be there. Friday night, August the 25th. Saturday night, August the 26th. Those tickets at ccnugget.com. Uh, the next time you're on, Brian, we talk not only comedy, but what I'm going to do with all my downtime before the shows. Because I'm on my own. I don't have any events to do during the day. So, uh, you know, you've got to give me, like, some decently legal options is what I'm asking for. Oh, I, I got some plans. I got, I, got, I got everything lined up for you. It's going to be a good time. All right. Yeah, that did not sound like anything that could be discussed on the air, but that's why I love you. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for looking out for it, brother. Uh, Brian, you're the man. We'll do it again next week. Good stuff, right? Great week, brother. Thanks, man. Talk soon. Be well. There he goes, the legendary Brian Lee. There we go. We got a big hour coming up. We're talking about Saturday Night Live. Get this. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. It's a big Friday on Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to talk politics. We're going to talk comedy in this hour because the hot rumor, they had me on America's Newsroom this morning to discuss it, is that Saturday Night Live, a show that was as iconic as anything we've ever had in the history of comedy, uh, could be calling it quits uh, when it hits its 50th season. SNL is in year 48 right now. Uh, the word on the street is it might actually quit, which is not nothing. I mean, Saturday Night Live is probably one of the most famous comedy shows in the world uh, outside of The View. The View is awful. The point I was making earlier with Dana Perino is, of course, SNL was trying to be intentionally funny. Uh, the View is just funny because they're idiots. Uh, but that's not the hot topic as we kick off the hour. Uh, a lot of people want this president to call it quits. And that's been the biggest thing this week in Washington. You know, obviously we have a lot going on with you know inflation and this inflation bill that doesn't actually reduce inflation. You know, we've got all of this border chicanery, you know, with, you know, Greg Abbott down in Texas bussing the migrants up to New York and D.C. And, of course, those tolerant and inclusive diversity is our strength mayors saying, no, we don't want them. Send them back. Democrats are so full of crap. That's not nothing. You know, we've got a lot of uh, ridiculousness happening uh, with our foreign policy. Nancy Pelosi has been flying around the world picking up stock tips for her and her husband. She made a trip to the demilitarized zone uh, in North Korea today after stopping by Taiwan earlier in the week. If you remember, that was a thing. She was out flying. The Pentagon said they don't want her going to Taiwan. Away she went. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. And we've had a lot of discussions uh, as it pertains to COVID, of all things, because we have hearings going on on the Hill about gain-of-function research. And I wanted to bring this up really quick because we didn't really get to do this. But Rand Paul was discussing gain-of-function. And what we now know, when you look at the origins of the COVID virus, which is worth mentioning, okay, that every single indicator points to it being made in a lab. Now, if you remember, Anthony Fauci went to great lengths to deny that that was a possibility. Now, also, wet market all the way. We don't see anything that says it's a lab. And then we found out what? In his emails, he was actively telling people, shut up about the lab. This could have big implications for science and research money. He should be behind bars. And that's what Rand Paul has always been saying. But what he was talking about this week on The Hill, and they were talking with a doctor by the name of Stephen Quay, who's testifying on behalf of the government and the gain of function, uh, is that there's no oversight to this. 
And why is that significant? Just really quickly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, you know, as somebody who cares and tries to prioritize things that affect us in non-political ways, like COVID is not a political virus. They politicized it during an election year, used it as an end around to a lot of our voting laws and juiced Democratic turnout. I mean, listen, again, Joe Biden got 81 million votes. That's more votes than anybody in the history of this country. Now, does anybody in their right mind think Joe Biden had more enthusiasm for his candidacy than anybody in the history of this country? The answer would be no. Not even close. Yo, Joe Biden in a normal voting year would have probably lost like 47 states. He's as much as people hate Trump. Joe Biden didn't campaign. He didn't run is the reason I say that. The pandemic allowed him to stay home. Allowed him to campaign from his basement. One of the main reasons we all know he's not running in 2024, some people are saying it honestly, most people are trying to be nice about it, is they know he can't withstand the physical rigors of running again in 2024. Okay, he couldn't withstand them in 2020. When they let him out on the campaign trail, nobody had any idea what the hell was going to come out of this guy's mouth. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Which is a fancy way of saying Poor kids are only minorities, which we know isn't true. Corn Pop was a bad dude. He might have been, but we don't even know if Corn Pop existed. I mean, that's the point. Biden had so many weird moments that weren't even in English. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. But COVID allowed him to stay home and minimize his exposure to the media. Okay, that wouldn't be the case in 2024. But having said that, okay, COVID for all the economic damage it has caused. I mean, the administration likes to tell you it's the problem with the economy, when in fact we know the problem with the economy is government spending and a lot of the government restrictions that have increased tax burdens and, oh, yeah, made it harder to hire by paying enhanced unemployment benefits, you know, extra stimulus checks, paying people more money to stay home than it would to actually go to work. That's stupid. Use your common sense. There is such a shortage because labor force participation right now is at 61%. The job numbers that came out today are good. They technically almost added 500,000 jobs. Okay, but the amount of full-time jobs, if you read between the lines, fell by 71,000 jobs. So they added, you know, almost 500,000 jobs, gross, but none of them are full-time. So these are people picking up extra jobs because of a pandemic. So the White House will tell you, oh, the economy's booming. Look at all the jobs we added. But these are people who need second jobs because they can't keep up with inflation. That's not good. It's actually not a good indicator. Okay, but again, they'd have you believe it was covid Most serious economists, including 230 economists today, went on record as saying that the reduce inflation bill would increase inflation. 230 economists said that today. Okay, that's the big headline on all the business channels. You're watching CNBC, you're watching Fox Business, which is what you should be watching. Uh, They'll tell you that this Reduce Inflation Act is going to go up. It's just, you know, latest in a long line of lies they tell you out of Washington. One of the biggest lies, of course, is what? Fauci told us with a straight face, no, there's no gain-of-function research. What are you talking about? Well, now we've got experts on Capitol Hill this week telling us not only is there gain-of-function research, but they're working with viruses that are 60 times more lethal than COVID. Here's Dr. Stephen Quay, clip 31. Are you concerned with the continuation and expansion of Chinese gain-of-function research? Well, I think I testified here that that in December 2019, They were doing synthetic biology on a cloning vector of the Nipah virus, which is 60% lethal. We just experienced a 1% lethal virus. Uh, My estimates would be that that could set us back a millennium. Um, The the Black Plague was a 20% lethal event, and it was 250 years for civilization to return. 
That can't be good. Did you hear what he just said? COVID was a 1% lethal virus that they were experimenting with when it got out of the lab. 1% lethal. COVID, the thing that shut down the whole world, denied your kid an education, wouldn't let you go to a funeral, wouldn't let you socialize, wouldn't let you go to church, wouldn't let you play ball, wouldn't let you out of the house. COVID was 1% lethal. He's telling us that they were experimenting with viruses that were 60 times worse than COVID. Really think about that for a second, the potential for disaster that is out there in these labs. Yo, you guys, this is just a guy talking to you who cares, was a family and just, you know, wants to live a halfway decent life. We can't let politics continue the way they have because we're all suffering as a result. If our government is funding research in a country that happens to be our number one geopolitical foe in the world, that happens to be a country with the biggest human rights violations in the world, I'm talking about China, them messing around with research we're funding on diseases that could set us back a millennia, as far as this doctor just testified under oath, we can't keep doing that. Do you understand? Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm telling you because I care. This is not I'm not talking to you as a Republican. I'm talking to you as, a, as an American. I'm talking to you as a fellow human being. Okay, if they're experimenting with viruses 60 times stronger than COVID and COVID could get out, what's to stop these from getting out? It's a really big problem. This is ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. And we didn't talk about it this week because this is what's wrong with our politics, what's wrong with political correctness and everything in between. We don't understand scale. It's my biggest frustration with a guy who covers this stuff every day. You see me on the radio and you know, TV, whatever the hell I'm doing, um, is we don't scale properly as a country. We often prioritize things that are the wrong issue. I'll give you another example. Monkeypox. All right. Let's talk monkeypox. Why not? OK. Monkeypox. Right now in this country, over 96 percent of the monkeypox cases are amongst the gay community. No, I'm not saying that to disparage the gay community. I'm not saying, hey, screw them. They're on their own. I'm not gay. They are. It's not my problem. No, 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 no. You want the best for everybody. It's America. Okay, but 96% of the monkeypox cases in this country, 95% in the world are amongst the gay community. Now, there are villages in Africa where it's 60% male, 40% female. Now, that could be bisexuality, could be animal contact. I don't have that answer. But the World Health Organization today told us 60% of the cases in Africa are male and 40% are female. I don't know if there's an agenda, and that's my frustration. I don't know if I can trust the World Health Organization on that number, and I'll explain why in a second. But the World Health Organization, if you remember, when COVID was becoming a thing, told us for a month that COVID couldn't spread from person to person. You understand? They told us that for a month. COVID can't spread from person to person. You got nothing to worry about. It's totally false. But that was doing China's bidding because China didn't want everybody freaking out over the virus, refusing to do economic you know, commerce with them and trade and everything in between. So China was shutting down everything in their country and saying, all right, can't go to work, can't go to school, can't worship, can't do anything. But if you want to get on a plane and fly to America, that's cool. And knowing that to be the case, that's why Trump banned flights from China. And the Democrats, of course, were like, oh, this is xenophobia. This is racism. We can't ban flights from China. We can't fight this thing head on. That's not politically correct. That could, you know, get people upset with Chinese people and Asian people. And then what? But, yo, if that's where the problem is, we just got to fix the problem. It's not about hurt feelings. Okay, back to monkeypox. If 96% of these cases are in the gay community, okay, but we're being told by our CDC 
they will not, they will not encourage the gay community to abstain from having sex. No, 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 you're doing it all wrong. And they won't do it. Why? Because they don't want to stigmatize the gay community. Hey, I don't want to stigmatize the gay community either. But if the rest of us can be told we have to stay home, we have to skip funerals, we have to miss weddings, we have to miss graduation, we can't go to work, we can't go to church. Okay, if we're to be expected to make those sacrifices, and you're telling me 96% of these cases come from orgies, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not casting aspersions, I'm just saying, hey, you got to sit this one out. Do you remember in The Natural, one of me and my brother Mike's favorite lines ever, Hobbs, you want to sit this one out? Do you remember when Red, the manager, just didn't want to play Roy Hobbs every time he tried to run out to BP? Hobbs, you want to sit this one out? You know, when it comes to orgies, if that's where 96% of the cases are, I'm not mad at the gay community, but if that's what's spreading monkeypox, yo, Hobbs, you want to sit this one out? Go on the internet. There's plenty of gay porn sites and straight porn sites and everything in between all over the Internet. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. And I'm not saying it for my protection or my convenience. I'm saying it for yours. If 96% of the cases are in your community, I want to help. I don't want people to get mad. I don't want this to lead to a spike in hate crimes. They tried doing that with COVID. Like, look at the spike in Asian hate crimes. Yo, every one of these Asian hate crimes that takes place in New York City is a homeless lunatic. It's a, usually a black homeless lunatic, a minority homeless lunatic, attacking an Asian person in New York. Nobody ever talks about that. They say, oh, it's Asian hate crime, as if it's just white supremacy, when that's not the case. And I promise you, these homeless people aren't attacking Asian people because of the coronavirus. Because there's a newsflash. A guy who lives in the Penn Station men's room isn't watching White House press briefings every day. He's not watching C-SPAN. He's not watching the latest updates from the World Health Organization. He's not watching anything. He thinks he's from another planet. That's the mental crisis we have in the city. But because we don't want to talk honestly and confront problems head on, they get worse. That's where we are right now. When you're talking about monkeypox, oh no, we can't just make the community that's 96% of the cases abstain from doing what they're doing to generate 96% of the cases. I'm like, but why? That's not helping them and it's not helping us. Back to where we started with COVID. We're not pursuing the origins of COVID as a country right now, and we should be. Because if we're going to prevent this from happening again, if we're going to know what we could be potentially up against in terms of what else is going on in those labs, it'd be pretty good to just talk about it honestly. We've got a hill on, uh, you know, a hearing on Capitol Hill this week that got completely blown off in the media. Nobody wanted to discuss it. Okay, but understand, if COVID is a 1% lethal virus, And it shut down the whole world and destroyed our economy. I got to be honest with you. Something that's 60 percent lethal is a real big problem for us. I got a bad feeling about this. So how about, you know, instead of spending all week talking about pretend inflation reduction or changing the definition of a man or a woman or anything in between. How about we do what they say in sports, which is, you know, let's play the teams on the schedule. Because we're not doing that right now, and we better start doing so, or we're all screwed. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. When you're right. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
America, Fox Across America, that's us with Jimmy Fallon. CPAC going on down in Dallas, Texas. We didn't get to go to this one. We were at the last one. But after Mikey's bar tab, they were like, hell no, you ain't going back. It's Mikey's birthday, the producer of Fox Across America, the great Mike Advensky, 26 years young today. Uh, but he is not at CPAC. Ted Cruz is. If you remember uh, two years ago at CPAC, Ted Cruz had this one. Freedom! Today he was talking gender ideology. Take it away, Josh. Well, my name is Ted Cruz. And my pronouns are kiss my ass. I mean, come on, Ted Cruz. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Ted loves a good culture war. He's actually funny on this show. He's been on a bunch of times. He invited me to go hog hunting with a machine gun in a helicopter, which Lincoln really wants to do. But uh, he likes to lean in and be like uh, a raconteur. He kind of fancies himself a comedian on stage. And, uh, you know, obviously I wish the guy knew it will, but that's just it's stupid. I know it's a Kamala joke, and I get it. But, you know, here's the thing, man. What we're doing right now culturally between these two parties. It doesn't matter which party you're voting for. The whole thing just is stupid. Like what we do on the show works. The reason the show keeps growing and growing and growing is most people see it the way you do and I do, which is like, you know, we don't want to cancel anybody. We're not unfriending them. You're not my friend anymore because you don't agree with me. We're not doing that. We're not acting like a bunch of fat, screaming children. But political activism has ruined everything. <laughs> everything. We don't have common culture anymore. Like you don't watch a ball game anymore and put your political differences aside. Now you turn on a ball game, and if you're a conservative, you're immediately mad because they're espousing far left political views about race and everything in between. You know, and if you're a liberal and you put on a ball game and they're not doing that, you're mad because you expect activism from everybody. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. They do that whole thing. It's just so stupid. That's not right. It's not right. It's just so dumb. Okay, but we don't have common culture because of all of the nonstop forced political activism. It's what's hurting Saturday Night Live. We're going to be talking to Bob Zaney about this in the next break. Saturday Night Live is in its 48th season. They're talking about it shutting down at year 50. It'll be Lorne Michaels' 50th season. His contract will be up. He could potentially leave. Uh, and one of the reasons they think he might is because, you know, the more the show becomes corporatized, the more political activism is expected, the harder it is to make something consistently funny. One of the reasons NFL's, uh, NFL, one of the reasons SNL's ratings tanked as badly as they did under Trump is because it just wasn't funny. It was activism masquerading as comedy. They were coming on the air and just Alec Baldwin was angry at Trump and jealous of Trump's relevance. So he was playing a, a, a bad version of Trump that wasn't funny or endearing or likable. He wasn't cartooning a president the way you do. He was actually just trying to make a guy look evil and loathsome and alienate people from voting for him. But unfortunately, what he wound up doing is alienating people from watching his own show. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man you can see at the Carson Nugget in Carson, Nevada, Friday, August the 25th, Saturday, August the 26th. Tickets for that available at ccnugget.com. Now, you could see this next guest there tonight and tomorrow. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying you could. You have that option. Uh, he is a comedy legend, one of my favorite people anywhere in any industry. The great Bob Zaney, the lovely and talented Bob Zaney back on the show. Hey, girl. 
Hey, man, listen, thank you for that uh, choice you give the audience about my act. I guess you really have seen it. <laughs> Stop it. I am as pro. Jimmy, yeah. I got to just say something. This is the thing about comedy is that we have, you know, things happen in our day, yet we still have to be funny. I just found out my MailChimp chip account is affected with monkeypox. <laughs> so, you know, I can't catch a break here, man. <laughs> Just one second. This is delayed, but well-deserved. Okay. Zany, that was Thank epic. I, I, now, how long have you had the uh, the uh, the rim shot? Because to me, the rim shot is comedy now. Yeah, it is in its own way. Did you know it's International Clown Week? No. What does that mean? It, doesn't, it just means it's International Clown Week, and you're having me on your show, so it's working out for you. <laughs> was, was it International Clown Week, though? Does that mean they encourage more Americans to carpool? No, I think I just want to go to IHOP with a red nose and big feet. <laughs> oh, Bob By the way, Jimmy, uh, you know, I, I'm famous for a thing called the Zany Report. You can see him on drybarcomedy.com. By the way, my Drybar special, now at 4.6 million views, and we have a contest at bobzany.net, my exciting website. Mm-hmm. If you guess when it's going to hit the day and time, 5 million views, you're going to get an exciting prize package. Is that true? Yeah, it is. And the two of them, two DVDs of the movies I've been in, I play Matt Damon's attorney in The Informant, mm-hmm. and I'm in Joe Dirt. Yes, you are. Uh, Zany, yeah. I am I am um, as familiar with the Zany catalog as anyone listening. Um, and I, I was going to say this to you because, you know, I, I told you I found you way back on the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. Me and my brother Mike were watching uh, a young Bob Zany. Uh, yeah. But I, I've, I've, probably, I've probably seen you on Evening at the Improv five times. And I, I do believe you were a judge on the gong show, weren't you? I was actually on the gong show when I was 15 years old in 1977, first time I performed. Oh, my gosh. And then 12 years later in 1989, I was a judge on the gong show that they when they brought it back. So oh, how about that? How about that, Zane? How about that boomerang of comedy? Bob Zaney's on the it, line. It, it, what out. I try to do is to, to take the boomerang of comedy and hopefully it doesn't hit me. <laughs> Can I? Go ahead. I'm going to do a quick Zany report for you because there's so much going on in the news, and I know you keep on top of the news. By the way, very funny today uh, on the uh, morning uh, Fox program. Oh, Zany, that's when I do morning when I do morning TV. And thank you for watching. You doubled my ratings. Uh, but when I uh, when I when I do like America's Newsroom and stuff, it's a very yeah. fine line because you're there because they do want you to have a serious conversation. So if you just showed up and ran material, they'd never book you again. But one day I'm right. going to do that. Like if I ever like get my own show or something, because I'd love to just do straight jokes on all of this stuff because, you know, the world's on fire. It's our job to roast marshmallows. No. Yes. Yes, it is. But I think you do. It's a fine line. You have to walk. I I was on the Jerry Lewis telethon for 17 years. I co-hosted with Jerry and mm-hmm. and Ed and, uh, you know, I would follow one of these tributes to the kids, and then I'd have to come out and be funny. So you've got to learn how to balance that, and I think you do that very well, Jim. Well, thank you. Let me ask you really quick before you give me the Zany report, okay? Okay. Who made this rule that whenever we're doing a comedy benefit, that before the comedian goes on, right before he goes on, they play a 10-minute montage of everyone who's died from the thing we're raising money for? Who thought that was a good idea? I don't know who did, but I hate them when they do that, and then they show my picture, and then they introduce me. <laughs> the great Bob Zaney's on the line. I can tell you this really quick, Zaney. The worst stand-up gig I ever did 
was at Donald Trump's Bedminster International Golf Resort, where they just had this big live golf tournament last week. Right. I once did a benefit there where they golfed all day, got hammered out on the golf course, got burnt out in the sun, and then came back to the clubhouse for me to do stand-up at some benefit. I was the comic. But it opened with, again, a 12-minute montage of people who were dying from some affliction. And so everybody in the room was either crying or so drunk they didn't know what planet they were on. And then I went out there and, and just an oil painting, Zany, just staring at me. Nothing. Well, death. those are the worst, those golf tournaments, because like you said, they golf all day. They've been out in the sun. They drink all day. And yeah. then you're supposed to be fine. I did one for Kevin Nealon, some charity one. And at the end of the night, they had a bunch of comedians. And we all ended up having to do just one joke because no one would listen. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, give me a quick hey, Zany report, and then we'll get into more comedy. Quick. Well, a Scottish lawmaker has introduced a bill to pardon thousands of women convicted of being a witch in the 1500s. Did mm. you hear about that? I did not. Take it away. And the bill will also uh, include future pardons for Meghan Markle and Camelia Parker Bowles. <laughs> you go. Continue. Hillary and Chelsea Clinton, they have a TV show on Apple. It's called Gutsy. And not to be outdone, Bill Clinton will star in a travel show called Where's Bildo? <laughs> Continue. Build. Uh, Sesame Street's Elmo has made a public service announcement on taunting COVID-19 vaccine. According to Elmo's dad, his pediatrician assured him it's perfectly safe, especially if you're a puppet. (laughs) Zany's on fire. And Taco Bell will honor the first family with a new taco. It's called the Jill. It's a white shell uh, corn on the outside and racist on the inside. <laughs> Jill Biden is the worst, Zany. There you go. That's a quickie for you. Because, oh. you know, you keep on top of the news, and, and, and that's our job, you know. But the problem with topical comedy, it's gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no shelf life anymore. It's a funny thing. About, I love Evergreen. Yeah. The funny thing about this day and age, I remember when Trump was president and everybody was like, well, it must be so good. But the reason it's bad is, like you said, uh, it's two days after the thing has happened. You don't the bit has no life anymore. That is the problem. You got to be quick. It's like Go ahead. it's like the old joke about the weather in the Midwest. If you don't like it now, wait, it'll change in 10 minutes. The yeah. same way with topical comedy, you know, oh, by the time funny. you get it out there, everybody else has done it. That's so true. The great Bob Zaney is on the line. Bob Zaney, who was your Bob Zaney? Like, you remember I was watching stand up in the 80s with my brother Mike on the couch. It's probably like Mario Joyner bringing you on stage or somebody. And we're like, this well, is what. It, Who was your Bob Johnny Zaney? Carson. Yeah. Johnny Carson, only because he could, when a joke bombed, he was funnier when he got out of it. Yeah. And to me, that's a true comedian. And also Steve Martin, because when I was in high school, I'd graduated in 79, mm-hmm. and he was the guy. He was and uh, and six years later, I was hired by him to do a TV show, George Burns Comedy Week. Oh, that's he was amazing. executive producer, so that was kind of cool. Let me ask you this about comedy, about bombing, specifically how you liked Johnny Carson as the escape artist that he was. Have you ever? Because I've seen comedians do this. Um, you know, we all have bomb lines. If a joke doesn't mm-hmm. work, you cover it by making. You know, you have jokes about how right. it went over. Have you ever seen someone? Who you know you like your bomb lines? They're funny. Have you ever seen someone convince a good crowd that they didn't like the show as they were enjoying it because they did too much of their bomb material in in friendly environments that turned hostile? Uh, you know, I think the comic is the worst judge of themselves. Yes. Because have you ever had one of those shows where you you thought you did nothing wrong and it was the best show you've ever had, and no one will talk to you, <laughs> and then. 
And then you have that show where it's like you got through it. You, you go, yeah. wow, I got through it. Uh-huh. And everybody comes up and tells you how funny you are. Uh-huh. So, you, you know, we're too close to that. So, yeah. you know, my bomb line now is uh, security. <laughs> and uh, it works. <laughs> all, I had a show once where it was so bad. It was like, well, you're talking about uh, it was a. Private party, Christmas party for a tow truck company, and they had been drinking since three. I went up at ten, oh and then f- I couldn't get anything. And I, I, five minutes in, I just said, "Well, thank you. You've been great." And I walked off, Good. and I started screaming every obscenity at the at the guy who hired me because he was a friend. And I said, "I can't believe you put me through that." Da, 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 da. And I ran off. You don't have to pay me. Forget it. Wow, zany. No, listen, you're, you're going to love this because this is just business. I sat down, I cooled off, and went back to him. I said, you're going to pay me because I deserve to be paid for that show. <laughs> After all of that. Yeah, because the good shows, Jimmy. Yeah. Come on. That's, we live for those. Well, do you, remember the we old, paid- do you remember the old street joke where a comic gets back to his hotel at the end of the night, and a woman gets in, and she goes, you are so funny. I am going to take you up to my room, tear all your clothes out, and we're going to go at it all night long. And the comic goes, hey, can I ask you a question? Which show did you watch, the 8 o'clock or the 10 o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great one. The best one I always thought was, uh, did you hear that Buddy Hackett killed in Cleveland? No, I didn't. Did you hear he destroyed in Detroit? No. Did you hear he bombed in Phoenix? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> because we, you know, again, it's it's and it's human nature. We think of the, we focus in on the negativity sometimes, especially as comedians. Yep. But that's where the comedy comes from. If everything's going well, what's funny? Now you're right about that. Well, I think that's one of the keys. Like if you're a comic that writes a lot of new material, which you are, you're as prolific as anybody. Um, you have to have an abusive stage dad in your head yelling at you to keep you working. You know, you need something that's, you know, a tough critic internally or you don't stay on it. You know, I think that's what happens to a lot of people. A lot of people in this in this business in stand up get good enough to kill. But they think that entitles them to all the trappings of show business without ever evolving any further. You know, there's a lot of people right. who can kill, but there's not a lot of people who can push themselves to that other level. But I bring up that other level because I wanted to go here for a second because this is what we were talking about on America's Newsroom. The idea of Saturday Night Live uh, going out on a high note at year 50 or a low note, if you will, according to the ratings. But what do you think? Because I was telling Dana Perino the show's not really as culturally relevant as it used to be, and they're in a little bit of a tough spot there. But do you think they should endure? Because if Lorne Michaels steps down, it's not going to be a show where, you know, eight or ten people are in charge of the creative process. It's going to be a show where focus groups and corporate bean counters and everything in between hop in. What do you think they should do? Well, I think he's. Uh, I mean, he, the, the fact that he's, you know, been there since the inception. Mm-hmm. I think he took some time off, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the fact that he's been around for fifty years. I mean, he's the one that said, "Now we're done." Yeah, you know. And I think it's really up to him. I mean, whoever you pass it on to, the Tonight Show there's a fine example. Yeah. You know, it started out with Jack Parr. I mean, Steve Allen, then mm-hmm. Jack Parr, then Johnny, then Jay, and now Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Conan in between. <laughs> was that well, man. no, wait, let's forget Conan. Let's just be honest about Conan. <laughs> he wasn't, you, know. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm sure he's a dear friend, and you and him rescue animals together. But you know what, Jimmy? <laughs> I got to worry about me sometimes. <laughs> Conan, it's over between us, Conan. Bob Zaney just dr- drove a permanent wedge between us. Um, no, I, I think you're right. Well, I think part of what's happening to SNL is what's happening to Jimmy Fallon. Like, Jimmy Fallon was winning late night. He was beating Colbert. 
And he was doing cutesy stuff, you know, lip sync battles, breaking eggs over people's heads. But, you know, pra- you know, silly stuff. And uh, after he had Trump on, they pistol whipped him into becoming an activist. They were like, how dare you normalize this man? And they made right. Jimmy Fallon play Stephen Colbert's game. And now Jimmy Fallon's losing in the ratings because he's doing a show that's not his strong suit. But, I mean, wouldn't you argue if you were coaching Jimmy Fallon right now, wouldn't you tell him to go back to to breakdancing and stop trying to be an activist? Well, I would say that. Only I would just say, Jimmy, if if the ratings are this bad, you're not going to be around much longer. You might as well do what you want. (laughs) And then guess what? It turns it all around because I think the country's hungry for back to, you know, picking on both sides if you're going to pick on a side at all and just being entertaining. Yeah, no no question. Go ahead. I had Chris Beard on my podcast. He, he's the guy who created the gong show with yep. Chuck Barris. Mm-hmm. And Chris told me, you know, they tried to you – know, they brought the gong show back, like I said, in 89, but it was so hard after that because everything became the gong show. Yeah, that's a great You know, point. all the – you know, even American Idol would show the really bad acts. And yep. that, the whole premise of the gong show was that it had two, one or two good acts and the rest were bad. Yep. So somebody would win who was deserving. What, but, you know, it showed the other side of show business. You know, Jimmy, again, if there's any way you could travel back in time, you should do your act for the gong show. Now, where, where were we? What'd you say? <laughs> where were we? That's funny as hell. I'm laughing. We're talking to the great Bob Zaney. You can see him in Carson, Nevada tonight and tomorrow at the Carson Nugget. Uh, tickets, ccnugget.com. It's a good one-two punch. You go see Zany this week, and then you come see me August 25th uh, and 26th, and you get the full experience. You know what I'm saying, Zany? The full passing of the torch. I mean, because— We're like the bookends of comedy, you know. Uh, I'm old school, you're new school, and then in the middle they're going to have a back-to-school chaser. <laughs> Something in between. Uh, how is Carson looking today? Is Are things, are things on the level? Well, are they raining. Uh-oh. It's raining today. It's yeah. it's it's. My, I went for. A, I walked to the Dollar Tree. I'm sorry, Dollar and Twenty Five Tree. <laughs> and uh, by the way, a crime's getting so bad. I saw a smash and grab at the Dollar Tree. Well, it was just a smash. It was a grab. But the point is, <laughs> oh, Zany, you're the best. I know. I know. Well, I know. I'm excited. I, I absolutely. I agree. Complete with you right now <laughs> inside your head. Well, save me some laughs. I don't want to be there. Yeah, save me hey, some thanks for having me on, Jimmy. Always a joy. I appreciate it. Mike, your producer, is probably one of the nicest uh, guys in show business, so tell him to quit now so it doesn't ruin him. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's He's 26, and he's still filled with, like, optimism and everything in between. Oh, yeah, I, I miss that. I remember that. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I, I actually just watched a, uh, I did a late show with uh, Ross Schaefer, mm-hmm. and Ross asked for the tape, and I actually had it. And Tom Hanks was on it, and Sherman Hemsley, uh-huh. and Mario Van Peoples. And I watched me doing stand-up at 25, and I went, you know, I wasn't that bad. And back then I was thinking, God, am I horrible. That's <laughs> so true. You know? oh, so man. anyway, it's a great thing. Uh, Carson man. Nugget tonight and tomorrow, bobzany.net. Bob's at Bob Zaney on the Twitter. Do the contest. Watch the Dry Bar Comedy Special. Get it to five million. Guess the time and date. Win an exciting prize pack. Jimmy, this is, I'm just giving it away. It's crazy talk. You are, Zaney. This is just madness. You're the best. I love you. I miss you already. Be well, buddy. There he goes. The, the great Bob Zaney. Go see him in Carson, Nevada. Uh, and go see me Friday night, August the 25th. Saturday night, August the 26th. Tickets for all of this. CCNugget.com. Back after this. The show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. 
It is Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon, in the bottom of the ninth on a big Friday. I'm heading off to the Aeropuerto, and I'm heading down to Bucky's. I'm going down to Houston, Texas. We will absolutely, with any luck, be in Katy, Texas tonight at the Bucky's just outside of Houston. If you want to hang out with me, Jenny, and Lincoln, buy a grenade launcher, three pounds of beef jerky, do some quilting, get a lawn chair, buy a baseball bat for your little leaguer, some patio furniture. Bucky's has everything in the world. It is my favorite, and the food is phenomenal. There's about a three-mile wall of beef jerky. Oh, God, I just, gosh, I love Bucky's. There's such decadent food, so much diabetes. They actually have a counter where they'll, so, they'll, they'll uh, saw your foot off right at the counter in between three-pound bags of chocolate-covered brittle. I'm really excited uh, to get the Fela family on the road, and we're excited for Mikey's birthday. Our producer turned 26 today. I got to be honest. It's a shock to a guy who hung out with him one night in Tampa. The idea that you're still alive six months later after the time we spent at the dollar, I mean, it shocks the con- – it's, it's a medical miracle, if nothing else. Uh, but if I can be the host of a radio show and Mikey could survive the night he spent at the dollhouse, you, my friend, can do anything this weekend. So if you take Fox Across America as nothing else, take it as an inspiration that anything is possible and that's the bottom line this show is over what a banner week so many great guests this week harris and dana jim jordan was fun everybody was fun the callers were great very thankful for this you guys uh but you will not be on my mind for the next 48 hours Uh, i'm getting plastered with garth brooks it's a whole to do we'll post some pictures so you can ride along but the show is over pay up get out be a republican be a democrat just don't be a Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.